0: Vita Reyes. Vita Reyes. All right. So anyway, you know, the U.S. actually came back, came roaring back last night. They, they won four to one in Honduras. So
1: we're in the World Cup? Or? Not yet.
0: We still have a few more. Uh, we're tied for second in our okay. group. And so the top three uh, advance. Okay. So Mexico, I think, is is clear. Everybody with, um, I can't remember how many points. It, the point system in soccer is weird. When you win, it's three points. When you tie or draw, it's one point, and then you don't get anything for a loss. Okay. So, so, Mexico has the most points. I think they have seven points. We now have five, four, four five. We've got two draws and a win.
2: have hmm. yeah, points
0: came roaring back. We were down one nil at the, at the half. And then, uh, the, the manager brought on Pepe, who's not one of our guys that's in one of the champions league, uh, teams over in, uh, in Europe, he's actually playing at FC Dallas. Um, but he's like 18 years old. Thankfully they kept, he, he decided to play for the U S he could have played for Mexico as well, Hmm. Uh, but he's playing for the U S um and he's great he might he might and actually be one of our best players eventually he's only 18 years old he's probably going to be picked off by a european team in the next couple of years i imagine.
1: it's the uh danny rojas of uh mm-hmm.
0: Team. Mm-hmm. football is live but anyway we're not a uh soccer podcast nor are we are are we a uh, ted lasso podcast but we would love to be on a ted lasso podcast i think hint, hint. Um, Yes, yes, but we are an MCU podcast. Uh, This is Dad Pods. This is the unofficial uh, MCU podcast. Uh, We are continuing our ranking uh, this week. Uh, We're going to start with our news and notes. There wasn't a lot of stuff that happened this week. Mm, Wait,
1: was there something that happened this week? News and notes? It is... (gasps) Shang-Chi opened.
0: Shang-Chi, yes. Shang-Chi opened uh, and it made money. Hmm. It's like the first movie that's come out during the pandemic uh that's actually made a lot of money um it set a labor day weekend non-pandemic related for for uh domestic cash labor day is not necessarily a big movie weekend generally uh despite the fact that it's a three-day weekend it's generally like oh everybody's going back to school weekend you know so everybody's at target or ikea right (laughs) But uh, it uh, it made something like uh, domestically ninety uh, something million dollars, uh, and then another eighty something million dollars um, uh, globally. In addition to that, um, and it hasn't even opened in China yet because China hasn't figured out if they are going to allow it. So it's good.
1: Yeah, that I think doesn't that just mean that certain Chinese officials need to have their palms greased, and that's it. Could
0: be that you know the Chinese officials just have a. A particular idea of how their culture is portrayed in movies hmm. so um for example like china for a longest time wouldn't release any of the great taiwanese movies that are made so i don't i think and correct me if i'm wrong on this i don't think crouching tiger hidden dragon ever was released in china
1: oh actually that, that i do not know well, yeah because
0: it's a because it's so it's Ang Lee who's who's an amazing um taiwanese filmmaker they have this very complicated relationship taiwan and china which we could get into, but we're not a a podcast about global political struggle. We're a podcast about the MCU. Right. And so this movie I did not see. Yet. I did see it. Okay. Uh, It is definitely going into our top ten or actually it's going into our top five, which has ten movies. Yeah. Spoiler. (laughs) Spoiler alert. Our top five is going to take at least ten weeks because we have have ten movies in our top five. We are not yet to our top five.
1: No, we are not.
0: Uh, Um, We are in our you know, really good movie section. All these movies in this section, we could sort of do a a flip of a coin with all of them. We've talked about that a couple of times where you could kind of, any of these movies could kind of be on the top of them, on the top of the mountain in this section. But uh, tonight, what are we talking about?
1: We are talking about Captain America, the first Avenger. Yes, we are. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, like on rewatch, this one almost gets bumped up. I felt this way about a lot of these movies they're all good
0: it probably should i mean and i think that's i felt that way about ant-man a few weeks ago when we did it and i was just like oh this this movie is better than the one we're doing next week and i think i feel like we're both kind of like in the same boat of uh yeah captain america it's better than the movie we're doing next week and you know once we see see next week's movie we'll be like oh well this is going to be better than the one we're doing next week but you know uh we'll see um it's appropriate that we're doing this movie this week actually um as we record we are a couple of days from the 20th anniversary of 9-11 uh
2: Uh,
0: and this is the most overtly american slash war movie yep uh and of course uh 9-11 is of is the event that launched a million wars uh we just pulled out of afghanistan after 20 years um and uh yeah and so this is uh there's a lot of feelings that we have about, about, you know, this Um, one thing that I am happy about with this particular, the way that they've instituted this character, uh, this character could be portrayed in a very different way. Mm -hmm. I think when you talk about American exceptionalism and wrapping yourself up in the flag and, you know, my way of the highway type, type, type American patriotism, uh, this doesn't do that.
1: No, not at all. Especially when we go into the full arc of the character, which we can't
0: do until we have discussed all the movies. Right, right. Um, uh, but spoiler alert, Captain America is my favorite character in the MCU. It's not mm. really a spoiler alert, yeah. but it, he is. Um, so yeah, so let's just go uh, right into it, right? Um, so we start, instead of a flashback, we don't have a flashback this time. Amazing. But got a, <laughs> no, but we start with a, like a flash forward. <laughs> flash present flash, flash present. present so yeah we flash yeah. to the present there's a bunch of military slash science dudes that are out in the uh arctic yep they're digging up stuff and they find a big giant ship and a big giant uh and, and, a, and an american shield uh behind a layer of ice yeah dun, dun 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 foreshadowing right
1: a lot of foreshadowing obviously the comic book fans know what's going on yeah this is early in the MCU, and for most people, I'm going to say it's their first introduction to, to Captain America. Not a very yeah. popular character at this time.
0: No. I mean, Captain America historically is not a very cap- popular character. Um, you know, the last 20 years certainly has been more popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, and I think we've hinted at that at this before. This sort of storyline where, you know, Captain America is, is trapped in ice and, uh, gets unfrozen is is a classic Avengers tale, um, and the Avengers in Marvel at least this is a lot of people make the 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 mistake of going Avengers is equivalent to the Justice League in mm-hmm. DC, and they couldn't be really further from that. Couldn't be really further from the truth. The Avengers is a bunch of kind of B level characters that sort of they put into the same book to try to boost up uh you know sales of comics because like iron man couldn't sell comics on his own captain america couldn't sell comics on his own hulk couldn't sell comics on his own but the justice league is basically let's let's put together the 27 yankees yeah. we're going to put superman batman and wonder woman in a, in a comic book and people will buy it it's 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 more like um it, this is that's uh it's a different sort of calculus
1: yeah, and because... yeah. My, my not necessarily accurate history of it was that the Fantastic Four came out first
0: mm-hmm. and
1: the concept of having a comic book where the whole team is there was new. Yeah. DC saw that and they're like, oh, we got to do something like this and they put together the Justice League. Marvel goes right. back to that formula later on for the Avengers.
0: Yeah, and, and we, wouldn't, we wouldn't, so if the Avengers were doing the same thing, the Avengers would have, right from the get-go, they would have Spider-Man, Wolverine, Reed Richards, mm-hmm. and um, you know Daredevil or somebody somebody that's, that's had a, a popular sort of run in uh, Marvel Comics in the late 60s, early 70s, when right. this is all going down. Right. Uh, and that's not what they're doing. No. You know, we've got the Mighty Thor. The Mighty Thor was never a popular comic book character. No. I would argue he's probably still not. <laughs> <laughs> but Anyhow, uh, yeah sumsworth is dreamy yes. um yeah so uh so then we get our flashback uh where most of the movie takes place 1942 uh we start in norway um we have a uh, uh war war ii is happening um raging throughout europe uh we have our nazi hydra soldier his his name is Johann schmidt uh we know you and i know from the comics that's a Johann schmidt is the uh, alias of the Red Skull. Mm-hmm. And uh, his forces break into a Norwegian town and kind of like a Norwegian church slash crypt slash...
1: It's a castle, I think.
0: Castle, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, they, he's able to find the Tesseract, yeah. which is a... We know now it's an infinity stone, but it's a uh, cube.
1: It's a cube, yeah. A cube. Yeah. So it's so one you see it, yeah. A glowing cube. Comics fans will see that, and uh, they will they would call it a cosmic cube, right? Mm-hmm. Marvel fans, cosmic cubes. There's a whole bunch of them in the Marvel yeah. universe, not the comic universe, not the cinematic yeah. universe.
0: Yeah. In the MCU, they've they've sort of largely um, conflated the cosmic cubes and the infinity gems into the infinity stones, yeah. right? Um, and uh, but it, in comics. Because so many separate stories are being told at different times, they'll they'll come up with little different things all right. over the place. But uh, but for the purposes of this, it's uh, it's the Tesseract, right? Um, yeah. So Hugo Weaving plays uh, uh, Johann Schmidt mm-hmm. uh nee Red Skull. Um, he's great. Oh yeah, Hugo Weaving is awesome. Hugo yeah. Weaving of the Matrix. Lord of the Rings, V for Vendetta. What am I missing that he's done? Anything? That's
1: uh, I think those are the biggest ones. Right? Yeah, those are the big ones. I mean,
0: those are three, like, you know, that puts him in the pantheon of great uh, sci-fi fantasy actors. Um, I don't know that this was necessarily the perfect role for him. And I don't know if you agree with me on this, but, um, you know, there are two types of uh, superhero comic book stories where one is where the focus is on the hero the other is where the focus is on the villain. I mm-hmm. feel like Hugo Weaving would be better benefited just in terms of what kind of actor he is to be like where the focus is on him a little bit more. Um right. this this movie as we're going to get into is really about Captain America.
1: Yeah. Uh and as as we talk about this movie, this is an amazing get to get Hugo Weaving cuz he doesn't have to do this movie cuz again, no. the focus isn't on him. He's a big actor. He yeah. do a lot of things.
0: He's probably got 19 minutes of screen time.
1: Yeah, he's great. He's
0: <laughs> great. He's absolutely great. But I feel like his talents are a little bit—I wouldn't say wasted—but no. his talents are probably, and it's probably why he of of all the people that have kind of come through the MCU has been a little salty. In the in the um, you know, he didn't come back for any more sequels or anything like that. Uh, they recast the Red Skull when he eventually does come back um, with somebody else. So, but anyway, um he would have probably benefited with a, with more of a, a villain origin story or mm-hmm. kind of like a role that sort of like is a little bit more like Joker in the Dark Knight kind of.
1: Yeah, so, Pot- potentially he wanted that. Um, yeah. I'm actually glad this movie doesn't go that way though, because I think-
0: It was much better for the future of the MCU.
1: Right, it, it totally works. By the way, this movie, it's only, it's slightly over two hours. This is a, again, part of the reason this movie borders on great, maybe is great. It's concise. Like the storytelling is really right there. It's exactly where it needs to be.
0: Yeah. There's not a lot of um extraneous pieces. Yeah. You know, you don't have any like, why did they have that scene?
1: Yeah. Every every <laughs> scene serves a purpose here.
0: Yeah. So um uh we flash uh we're back in uh, New York. Um we're not back in New York, we're in New York now. Uh Steve Rogers is a typical is a stereotypical 98 point 98 pound weakling. He is tiny. Uh, and he's at an enlistment station for going off to combat he is trying to enlist in the army yep. um, uh, this is a little funny scene you know he, he's going through uh, his history uh, you know what how, how his parents died uh, you know before this case he's probably I don't know 18 19 years old um, it's uh, Chris Evans's head uh, CGI'd on a, a much smaller actor mm-hmm. uh, I think this is like this is awesome CGI and this is what CGI should be for. Yeah. You know, this kind of thing.
1: Yeah. True character. Like this is important for the storytelling. He has to yeah. be too small, too sickly to go to war. And yet he still wants to. Right. And it looks great. He, they yeah. disqualify him, right? He's yeah. super they small. They make him
0: tiny. And if you've ever seen Chris Evans, he's a dude, he's a beefcake.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, we'll, nothing... we'll get to that.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. We will get to that. Yeah. So, um, you know, in a world that, that, had what happened to to superman's face in the original cut of justice league mm-hmm. this is what it could have been yeah right you can yeah. you can you can you can cg out if they cgi'd out his chris evans's entire body
2: mm-hmm.
0: right they can cgi out um henry cavill's uh beard did Poor chris evans have to walk on his knees for these parts well i think probably what they did was they I, I know that they they cast a different actor that was smaller. Okay. So, and I think they just kind of put him later, but I imagine that he had to, I mean, he had to film all the scenes, so I'm not exactly sure how they did it. Well,
1: they did a good job. Anyway,
0: yeah, they did. So, um, uh, the doctor at the enlistment place rules him ineligible. He says, you know, you've got, there was a whole litany of, uh, you know, we get a shot of the, his uh, medical chart. There's a whole litany of things that he's got wrong with him. asthma is one of them flat footedness. He's, he's tiny he's he's got every ailment that you can think of um so uh you know the next scene is he's at a movie theater right kind of we cut to that so he's he's been ruled ineligible he can't go into the army um boom movie theater they're they're watching a the standard movie and they've got the the original you know back in the in the war they you know they they had advertisements in the beginning of a movie that was calling people to action, basically, uh-huh. you know, help your local uh, army, scrap metal, all the things that you want to do, uh, conserve all those things. There was all these ads going up, like PSAs, before the movie started. And there was a bully that was at this movie, and he's like heckling the theater, and it's like, first of all, people that talk to movie theaters?
1: Yeah, don't do that.
0: It's not live. <laughs> They're not there.
1: That's oh, 1942. Anyway,
0: maybe he thought it was live. <laughs> maybe he did thought, think it was live. I always have that con- that, that that conversation. Like, I mean, we went to the movie theater for the first time in like a year and a half mm-hmm. uh, this past week, and we saw Shang Chi, and people were c- clapping at the end, and I kind of clapped at the end too, and I was just like, there, "There's no one here.
1: There's You're no one here to hear the applause for your fellow person who saw the movie with you. That's, that's what, probably right. It's that, probably that's, right. It's for each other."
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm sure people were psyched to see the movie, though, because this is, again, like, you know, getting out.
0: Yes, it was. It was great. It was, uh, you know, it's it's well worth wearing a mask for two hours that you got to, you know. Yeah. So. um, So, yeah, so he so Steve Rogers stands up and you know tells the guy to be respectful and and the standard things that you would expect Captain America to say to somebody that was uh, being a bit of a jerk. So uh, Steve. 98 pound weakling that he is is promptly taken out to the back alley and gets his butt whooped.
1: Yeah, not before he takes a garbage uh, lid, a circular one, and holds it up as a
0: shield. Holds it up as a shield. Uh, this is where we get our first uh, "I can do this all day" quote from Captain America. Mm-hmm. You know, because he keeps getting up.
1: Oh, he—you he, can't—you can up. knock him down, he but he'll get knock up. him
0: down, but he's going to keep getting back up. So yeah. uh, he's saved by Bucky. Uh, so this is uh, James Buchanan Barnes, uh, uh, who's in a big soldier outfit, and he's a you know strapping young man, played by S- Sebastian Stan. Mm-hmm. Um, he kicks this bully's butt and sends him on his way. Um, yeah. So we get our first uh, we get our first moment. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think uh, again important to see this. Mm-hmm. It's because spoiler, he's going to get. He's gonna get swole, right? Yeah, yeah. He is willing to fight before he swole, and that's I think is the big thing. Like that's Cap. What makes him Captain America is not the formula. It's it's him and his attitude. He will stand up to the bully. That already happened. In yeah. this particular case, you have a, a nice moment the first time you see Bucky and uh, and Steve together, and it, it, it's good. You know, Bucky playing a little bit of like the older brother here, but there's mm-hmm. a little, there's a kind of a real connection with the two.
0: Yeah. So they're best friends. Uh, Bucky is shipping out the next day uh, yep. to, to go fight the war in Europe. Um, and as a last sort of uh, day of celebration, they're uh, going out uh, to take a couple of girls out. And where do fun people go to take a couple of girls out? They go to the Stark Science Expo.
1: Because <laughs> that's where everyone wants to go. <laughs> is that
0: where everybody wants to go. So uh, we get our sort of link to the...
1: Uh... Uh-oh.
0: Uh, the outside MCU so we, it's so it's not Tony Stark obviously it's Howard Stark uh right. his father uh and uh so <laughs> uh it's a big you know it's like a world's fair people don't we don't do this anymore this no. was something that happened through the uh, 19th century and early 20th century where you had these expos of uh you know the the the, the technology of the quote-unquote the future was uh introduced so this is where things like washing machines and and uh microwave ovens and you know different different kind of car technology would have been uh, introduced uh, at this particular expo what we see of it is the uh stark's got a car that floats for about 10 seconds yeah <laughs> before it crashes back down um, he calls it uh gravitic reversion technology hmm. mm-hmm. um comics have an amazing way of just putting weird names in front of things and making it science fiction. Oh, yeah. What do you think? yeah. Gravitic reversion technology sounds like um, the kid that doesn't know science that's doing like a science report in front of class. Yeah. But he would say, yeah. he would make that up. It's like, oh, it's gravitic reversion. And the, these guys here are millionaires.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, the other thing I like is like over time, since you get to see the same concepts changed, the, once once the science becomes too well known they have to use other science gobbledygook mm-hmm. so I, I think the original iron man his suit it had to it relied on transistors <laughs> to right. have this magic power to, right. to shoot these repulsor rays and stuff yeah. like that it, we don't call that that anymore because now everyone would be like what do you mean like that transistors you mean like doesn't...
0: what for my radio does that i yeah. don't use anymore yeah that's yeah, not no, shooting and then rays they, out then of your then hand you have the arc reactor <laughs> yeah. and the, the arc reactor we learn, I think in, I think in uh, uh, Iron Man 3, is, is largely like an electromagnetic magnet, mm-hmm. right? So at some point, we're going to be like, at, at like, electromagnets don't really do much for us. Yeah. And that'll be common scientific knowledge. Right. And we'll <laughs> be like, oh, they'll have to come, come up with something else. Right. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. So they have to um, come up with, with more fake sounding science because it's too grounded in what we know that we we just wouldn't believe it.
0: Exactly. So they're yeah, it's so the the eventually we'll come back to gravitic reversion technology. Sure. Gravitic is an amazing word. Um so yeah, so uh Steve uh escapes his little double date uh to go to another recruitment center to try to enlist in the army because he doesn't give up. Uh he comes up with fake locations where he's from every time he's been rejected multiple times. Um at this, one, at this one particular location, uh, there's a, a scientist that's working there. His name is uh, Erskine,
2: mm-hmm.
0: a German scientist. And uh, he uh, overhears a conversation that Steve and Bucky have about, you know, why Steve keeps doing this. And basically, it comes down to the fact that, um, you know, other people are laying down their lives. Uh, and he doesn't have, and Steve feels like he doesn't have a right to not do the same. Right so uh he's interviewed by this uh erskine uh basically uh asks him one question yeah. it's uh <laughs> why do, do, you, you, do want you want to kill, kill nazis <laughs> uh and they have a you know really cool little uh, back and forth and ultimately the answer that to, uh, that steve gives is i don't want to kill anybody mm-hmm. i just don't like bullies yeah uh and erskine uh green lights him for this particular project that he's doing. Uh, and uh, Steve's in the army. Just like that. Just like that. Or it's kind of played by Stanley Tucci, who we want to send the greatest uh, 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 well wishes to. Uh, he just announced that he uh, had cancer, fought it, has apparently been treated and is okay. But, you know, Stanley Tucci's got years and years and years of acting to do. He's mm-hmm. been in a billion movies he's never like the maiden star he's always a character actor but he's terrific he's a national treasure
1: and uh this is again the casting for this movie just for erskine is an important character doesn't get to be on screen very much though in this movie
0: no he's in he's in the movie for probably less than hugo weaving's in and we haven't even gotten to some of the heavy hitters in this film yeah but uh (laughs) um but yeah he's probably got eight minutes of screen time and it's gold
1: it's totally gold
0: it's great um and this is another one a little bit like a little bit like the last movie we talked about in black widow where the non-action scenes i think are my favorite Mm -hmm. like there are some there are some movies where you can't wait to get to the next action scene like i will tell you shang chi's like that Mm -hmm. not to say that the the human part isn't great too but um this movie is one of those where just the quiet moments I think are the best ones.
1: Yeah. So yeah, for, for this rewatch, I was like kind of skipping around because I've I've seen this movie so much I didn't need to fully rewatch it. And I did find myself just really just like, oh am I gonna skip through it? No, I'm gonna watch this part where Erskine's talking to Steve about why do you want to kill Nazis?
0: Why do you want to kill Nazis? Yeah. It's great. Excellent German accent, by the way. Much better than our Russian accents from last week. Yeah. Um, so uh we moved to Camp Lejeune. There may have been a little uh, jump in where we're seeing Hydra stuff, but we'll talk about Hydra stuff later. Yeah. Um, we get our introduction of two characters that uh, were my two favorite characters of this film. I know that I mentioned that Chris Evans and Captain America is my favorite, but this film, um, we get introduced to Peggy Carter, who we've talked about in previous podcasts because mm-hmm. we uh, talked about her and uh, played expertly by Haley Atwell. Uh, And we get Tommy Lee Jones in the uh, MCU. Oh yeah. Uh, He plays Colonel Chester Phillips and he is full Tommy Lee Jones. You get like full, just, you know, sarcasm, foghorn, leghorn, just amazing Tommy Lee Jones.
1: Tommy Lee Jones has to play a Colonel at all times. Yeah, Uh, This is Tommy Lee Jones playing Tommy Lee Jones and it's perfect.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I mean, and he is an amazing actor. Like, he is the ability to sort of have the sort of same level of grumpy curmudgeon, but sort of loud and very sarcastic and cynical, Um, but then have these just moments of heartfelt feeling where you can just see it in his face. He doesn't even have to say anything. You can just see it. Yeah. So anyway, um, we're we're introduced to them. Steve's part of this unit where they're deciding to where they're basically deciding who's going to get this sort of super soldier experimentation on them. Uh, So we get a little bit of a training montage where a lot of the other soldiers are picking on Steve and sort of making life difficult for him, he is lagging behind on everything Uh, he's slower weaker uh, than than everybody uh, in his team. Um, And uh, but. You really get to see where his brain and his uh, heart sort of uh, rise to the occasion mm-hmm. uh, in sort of two main two main ways. So there's there's one scene where uh, there's a flagpole, and the, all the uh, the soldiers are said, "Hey, whoever can you know get to the top of the flagpole and bring it back down doesn't have to finish this run. You can yeah. get back, or, can well, back if, on the jeep."
1: Importantly, they say, "Whoever gets the flag." Right. Doesn't have to run. It.
0: Whoever gets the flag and brings it to the, the commanding officer can can get a free ride back to the base. Yep. The all the soldiers try to climb up this flag and nobody can climb up the flagpole. Steve goes over. Just pulls out a pin, at <laughs> the bottom, and the flagpole falls over, and he just goes collects the flag and gives it to the commanding officer and just gets in the jeep. Yep. It's great. Great. Perfect. And then. The other, the other from from this sort of training section, the other thing that happens is um, Erskine and uh, Colonel Phillips are sort of arguing because uh, Erskine thinks that it should be Steve because he's the best person in this group. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones wants a big, strong dude to be the, you know, the super soldier. Yeah. And uh, Tommy Lee Jones reaches into a crate and pulls out a, a, a dummy grenade, but nobody knows it's a dummy grenade. And throws it into the middle of the, uh, the the training session right here, and just says "grenade," and everybody runs, splits up, except for Steve. Steve dives on it, and is telling people to back off. He covers it with his own body. Yeah. And this this should be the moment that if you've if you love this character, you realize this is where your your eyes start to well up, and you start to feel like oh my god this is just a, this is training. This isn't, this isn't, I'm, I'm, I'm on the front lines fighting with somebody kind of sacrifice. This is, I just don't want anybody to be hurt of these people that are picking on me the whole time. Right. Yeah. And he dives on the grenade, willing to die for everybody else there. That's in this, uh, this in this uh, uh, camp.
1: Oh yeah, totally. And I think the, the important thing is Phillips, you know, arguing for the, the beefcake guy, he totally expected that guy to jump on it. That's why he's throwing the dummy grenade. And yeah. uh, obviously this is what turns it around for him because Steve does exactly what Erskine would have thought. Erskine knew from his earlier interaction what's, what kind of person Steve was. Yeah. Steve demonstrates it in full
0: force. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we've been through like, you know 40 minutes of the movie and we haven't yet been Captain America. So. Uh, uh, that little, uh, incident where, where Captain America, where, where Steve Rogers jumps on the grenade that sort of inspires everybody to say, Oh yeah, you know, he's probably the best guy we should, we should choose him for the super soldier formula. So, uh, Steve is chosen, um, to take the formula. Um, we get a nice little, uh, um, car scene with, a uh, with, uh, uh, Peggy and and Steve on the way to Brooklyn.
1: Right.
0: Uh, It's kind of, it's kind of sweet. And uh, they get, they get to Brooklyn, they're they're hooking them up to machines and they're injecting him with stuff. And, you know, we get our uh, explanation by Dr. Erskine what's going to happen. They're going to, you know, inject him with super soldier formula and then um, Vita rays, Vita
1: rays, yes,
0: Vita rays which is why I guess they have to hook up to the electrical grid. No one really explains what a Vita ray is.
1: Which is important because uh, by doing that, then you don't worry about your fake technology getting outdated when they realize that like radio waves don't do these things.
0: Yes, they're Vita rays. Yes. It's what what the Hulk has been relying on with gamma radiation forever. Yeah. They never really explain what gamma radiation is. Gamma radiation is actually a thing, Hmm. but still nobody knows what it is.
1: Yeah, well, in the case of the Hulk, they go crazy with gamma radiation, where it's like a gateway to hell, like literally uh-huh. a gateway to hell. Yeah, in the comics. And, and yeah, among other things.
0: Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so um, unfortunately for our heroes, uh, Steve gets changed, and he goes through the thing, goes through the the process, and whoa, he's Captain America. He's a big dude. He's swollen now. Yeah, and and we get the full. Chris Evans experience. Um, but uh there, there's this hydrant we can call him a hydrant jerk, right? Yeah. Yeah. He uh infiltrates this uh the the uh the experiment. Uh he shoots Erskine, he sets off a bomb, he steals the super soldier formula and and runs off. Yeah. Um he gets shot so by he Peggy s- on the way too.
1: He steals what's apparently the last vial of the super mm-hmm. soldier formula. So some of it was used. To make Steve into Captain America, not like the last unused thing was was there. Shouldn't they have put some like elsewhere?
0: Yeah, like just save it somewhere. Like when you're going to buy a house, you don't bring like all of your cash with you. Mm-hmm. You leave it. Some of it is going to be somewhere else. Some of it's going to be you know in the bank. Like they should have just like at their base in 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 Lejeune, Camp Lejeune, just you know have a little bit of it.
1: Probably would have been smart. So yeah. Not, anyway. not good, not good planning by early shield.
0: Yeah. So uh, uh spoiler alert, that's destroyed. Yeah. So uh they chase down this guy who's the Hydra guy is running away. Peggy shoots at him and shoots him in the arm or something. Um, and Steve, you know, with newfound powers, uh, you know, runs after him through Brooklyn barefoot. Yeah, yeah. And this actually might be my favorite action scene from the film. Yeah. Because it's really, it's like uh a combination of like greatest american hero when he got the the remember that old tv show where he, he never really learned how to land or anything like that he was always perpetually learning the powers that he got with this suit and that's kind of where we are with steve he doesn't know how strong he is he doesn't know how fast he is he just starts running and just instincts take over and he chases down guys in cars i mean it's just it's crazy yeah it's crazy.
1: and it's a lot of nice physical acting where he's running faster than he thinks he can like you can see him like Mm -hmm. kind of cornering a little too slow it's like driving a car that's yeah these two
0: uh i did see some behind the scenes footage of this and apparently so you know as you're looking at it he's you know running barefoot barefoot through new york he's actually wearing uh feet uh colored boots (laughs) to run through to do the stunts in this thing so they they just they look the their shoes that look like feet, but they're really kind of running shoes boots. You know. Well,
1: that was well done because uh, it looks. It was. I, I wouldn't have guessed
0: that. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, I've never seen Chris Evans' feet. Hmm.
1: And I guess you never will.
0: And we shouldn't don't don't Google Chris Evans' feet out there. You're gonna get something you don't want.
1: Hmm. Or maybe what you do want. I've, no judgment here.
0: We're not gonna judge anything. So um, so. Steve catches him. Mm-hmm. This is a bad guy. There's a little hostage situation with a kid. Uh, anyway, Steve wins, but the Hydra guy takes you know the, the the easy way out and does the cyanide you know in the mouth, tooth yeah, kind of thing. It's Aedal a Hydra
1: fake tooth that you could just sort of knock out with your tongue.
0: I it, I wouldn't trust that man.
1: Yeah, that seemed a little uh, sketchy to me because that can't yeah, be. Yeah, because
0: he's about to fight. What if you fight somebody and you just knock somebody knocks it out of your mouth?
1: Yeah. It seems like a, the first thing you got to do if you're fighting a Hydra guy, punch him in the mouth. Yeah. You might get the cyanide. You might get an easy win. Simple.
0: But I do think, particularly when they, they want intelligence more than anything at this point, that's a kind of a dick move. Oh, yeah. Cool. You know, so. But I do love the kid. Um, totally uh, did the whole He the, the Hydra guy throws the kid in the, in the water. Yep. And you know, Captain America is about to jump ab- jump in after him. And the kid's like, go ahead, I can swim.
1: Yeah, it's great. <laughs> a, little, <laughs> a little subversion of the, the typical action movie tropes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so once we get back to to uh base essentially, there's there's chaos within our within our heroes. Um, you know, Colonel Phillips is pissed. Mm-hmm. because he wanted an army of super soldiers and all he got was Captain one guy he's always pissed um,
1: so first he's mad that's you pick this shrimp guy and then like then like yeah. this, he's no longer a shrimpy guy and he's still mad
0: <laughs> what do you yeah. want I, he's just not gonna be happy yeah i think that's what we, we know about him um and so he and peggy are shipping out to go fight hydra because they're they're really at this point they're like you know what they Hydra attacked us on our soil. This wasn't just you know, you know the Nazis invading Poland. This was you know some serious stuff. So, so they're going off to fight uh, Hydra in Europe. Uh, Steve was remanded to be get st- to get studied uh, by this like the other scientists that weren't Erskine, because Erskine's dead. Uh, sorry, RIP. Yeah. Um, but uh, there's a senator that's around, Senator Brandt, who's like pulls a lot of the financial spring strings. And he has this idea to enlist Captain America uh, to like perform in a series of like USO type shows uh, to sell war bombs.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we get a nice <laughs> little montage here of uh, Yeah. The, the Captain All America, the, the, the uh, USO <laughs> performer. Mm-hmm. And we get, this is where we get the image of Captain America with the, the non-round shield and the old right. uniform.
0: Right. So these are all, some of these are all callbacks to like the original Captain America. Um, now, the whole idea that Captain America was a symbol first and a soldier second is, is total retconning. So we didn't get that in the comics. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, because, uh, you know, he would have been like a soldier that became a symbol. Right. Um, in this way, they're sort of making him a symbol before he becomes a soldier, which is a really cool way to do it. Yeah. Um, this is of course one of those little pieces in the film that a lot of the really, really serious comic people got upset about just because it's not directly from the comics.
1: Oh, but it's great. You know?
0: I know I liked it a lot. Yeah. Um, and it really, you know, we talked about this particular um uh version of Captain America not sort of wrapping him up in the flag in the same way that you get with um other versions and in how he would have been portrayed in the 40s and 50s and this is all of the all of the usos that all of these shows and the times that he punches out hitler it's all tongue-in-cheek it's all really uh just kind of goofy and i like that a lot
1: yeah that's how you get the captain america issue number one cover of him knocking out hitler just (laughs) over and over and over again Mm -hmm. i I thought this was really genius because this is way to get all versions of the character in one like this the things that you can't do in the movies where we can't use the version of iron man that fights in the the vietnam war because we have to only use the modern one but now we get our cake and eat it too we get to see you know the earliest incarnation the rah-rah usa captain america plus the slightly more jaded one the one who's a soldier who's Mm
0: uh you know
1: who eventually has to reckon with things in the, the winter soldier movie but right this is really great and,
0: and yeah this is really really good um so yeah so steve is doing these shows series of them, which eventually takes him to the front lines yeah. now they're trying to sell war bonds initially it's unclear why they went to the front lines because the soldiers weren't buying war bonds but yeah, don't worry about that yeah um for reasons yes uh <laughs> uh he gets to encounter and encounter peggy again mm-hmm. uh they clearly at this point have like a little bit of a budding romance um mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, Steve learns that uh, Bucky's unit is unaccounted for. Now at this point, the, the real romance is between Steve and Bucky, and that's really kind of uh, you know where the where the the love lies true mm-hmm. at this point. Um, so um, against orders, uh, Steve, Peggy, and Howard Stark, who's now I guess a pilot, yeah. um, <laughs> he does a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he does a lot in this movie. He's like helps Erskine. Uh, he he builds stuff um they fly behind enemy lines and uh steve steve is like a one-man army infiltration unit uh and he infiltrates this hires base where the where, where they believe where they hope where they believe that the 107th is being held yep uh and thankfully they are so he he infiltrates his base um kind of sneaks around you know punches people out uses his triangular shield uh What's I think what's important in this scene is you don't see him like use any guns or anything like that. Yeah. He does use guns later on in this film, but there's not a lot of like gunplay. Right. Uh with like Steve on his own. He's just like kicking the crap out of guys, you know, kicking them across the room. Um, you know, breaks the 107th out. Lots of these 107s will eventually be like they pulled straight from the comics, the the Howling Commandos, mm-hmm. which was originally Nick Fury's unit, but um this is um uh steve's steve's kind of unit yeah um and i think in the howling commandos sometimes they're like they're vampires and werewolves and stuff like that
1: <laughs> It'll be literally like literally howling
0: yeah i think i think that's where they got them from but anyway um and we also uh during this uh infiltration we get our first interaction between steve and uh Johann schmidt who reveals himself to be the red skull yeah he pulls off his face and he's all red and scabbed and Gross.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of gross. And it, we also find out that uh, I, I guess we knew this before that he had taken the super soldier f- formula and he's the right. person who can actually punch. Uh, yes. Yeah. He could take a punch from Steve and he can punch back.
0: Right. Right. So he's physically probably equal. Right. Um, uh, he's able to save Bucky. Steve is. Uh, Bucky has been clearly um, uh, uh, experimented on. Yeah, in this base, um, so that's important for later. Not this movie, though. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone likes to experiment on Bucky. Is all I'm going to say. What what yeah. about Bucky makes him so like you know? This is the guy. They had all those other soldiers. They could have yeah. gone. They uh-huh. for some reason like no, not him. He's
0: the one. Yeah, I mean, he's dreamy, <laughs> good-looking man. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. So
1: you know, we saw this confrontation, Zola escapes in, in the mm-hmm. car. And then Zola, uh,
0: this is, uh, this, we talked about like the great cast. This is Toby Jones played by, uh, plays Zola Zola. Yeah. And he's like an Oscar nominee. We didn't even mention him.
1: I know. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of Zola though. So they, they alluded to Zola. He doesn't take the form that he does in the comics, which is a robot with uh, his face in the stomach. Mm-hmm. Uh they do try to hint at it they the first time you see zola he's you see his face behind a magnifying glass you get this big zoomed in version of his yeah
0: yeah and in the winter soldier spoiler alert we'll get there a long time from now so nobody's going to remember uh zola is like a tv
1: yeah essentially really resembling what he looks like in the comics now so zola is just one uh nazi scientist who's infused his body into something else i i actually have a favorite marvel comics uh, villain <laughs> nazi who's infused his body into something else uh, do you want to guess what it is like i i cannot go ahead okay there's a villain called swarm okay he's a nazi scientist he's infused his body into uh believe this a swarm of bees so the swarm okay. of bees it's a spider-man villain flies around mm-hmm. and it is swarm uh of all the things that you want to enthuse yourself into i don't know if
0: i would have picked a swarm of bees as the number yeah. one i mean maybe if you if your arch nemesis is a like allergic to bees yeah that could would be, be yeah. yeah could be could be um uh not to, and don't confuse swarm with hive who's mm-hmm. also a marvel villain who is also some sort of collection of gooey things <laughs> right yeah
1: it's hard to keep coming up with different villains i guess is the answer yeah
0: Yeah. it's pretty much anything can be a villain which is why like the old um uh tick both tv show and uh comics before that is just very funny like there's a guy with a chair for a head
1: chair face chippendale
0: (laughs) chair first chippendale and just like just just goofy stupid um uh both hero and uh villains yeah, so. it's great. So anyhow,
1: um, Zola, a bit more standard here. He's just a, a yeah.
0: Uh-huh. So uh, I do think bringing in like the Howling Commandos and their little banter back and forth does really help for sort of the levity of the moment and mm-hmm. the levity for the film. Uh, it had been a fairly serious sort of, not. it, it was hopeful, right? It was mm-hmm. like, it was um, fighting the good fight, that kind of stuff. And that's what you always kind of get with a, a World War II type movie. Uh but uh, this bringing them in sort of just does, kind of adds a little bit of humor to it because you really didn't have any humor other than the sort of the sarcasm of uh, Tommy Lee Jones.
1: Right. So yeah, it comes back, he, he, he brings them back. They all think that he's-
0: Yeah, so, so yeah, they all think that he, they're dead. Even, they're even writing, uh, Colonel Phillips is even writing letters saying, you know, telling Senator Brandt, really sorry but Captain Rogers is believed killed in action. Right. Um, but no, he, he walks them all back. They have to walk. I don't know why they didn't use like some of the vehicles they had at the Hydra race.
1: They had the one so, vehicle. You see them bringing it behind. I, I guess the idea is it's too small because he's got so many people, so they all have to yeah. just walk the tank back.
0: I guess that's just strange. But anyway, I would think, but I guess that you, you take that tank with you and you protect your army. So. Yeah, well, um, well. So they yeah, they yeah. walk all the way back to the, to the army base. Um, and, uh, he's part of the army now he's got, a, he's a captain.
2: Right. Yeah. Essentially. That officially uh, him, gets them in. They give
0: him his own, they give him his own team, which he is. It's the Howling Commandos and Bucky and yeah. And they start taking the fight to Hydra and they, um, he had seen a map of all the different bases that Hydra had locations, uh, throughout Europe and they start attacking all of them. Yep. Um, uh before they before they do that he gets his shield his classic uh circular shield made of vibranium howard stark had uh had had made the shield he paints it it's some uniform upgrades yep uh this is this is a great uniform by the way yeah um this uniform is way better than the one he gets in the, the avengers um this is this is the classic my favorite of the captain America uniforms yeah
1: they get the colors right here it's the muted tones that you see throughout the mcu it's it's that realistic version of what a comic book uh yeah uniform should look like
0: it's almost like a like a the the blue is kind of like almost like a blue gray yeah it's not like like in in avengers it's almost like a royal blue which is really it's really stark against uh, all the other colors yeah um but it kind of it kind of goes better i guess i guess they are thinking it maybe goes better a little bit with the kind of crazy colors that they have for iron man's suit i guess i don't it's know they really...
1: they took a step back when they went to the avengers
0: i agree later I, on avengers he's got better a great suits. movie but oh yeah avengers totally. is a great movie but the the suit is a little wrong um and he gets some better suits for for the for the uh, future ones too um so yeah, so um, they, they kick ass all over Europe. They're destroying a bunch of HYDRA outposts. Uh, Red Skull's really pissed. Um, they, on a mission to capture Zola, uh, there's another good sort of action scene where uh, they, they have to zip line onto a train. Yep. I don't know why they couldn't have found a better spot to get to that train.
1: I, get, I, I don't know. Maybe they didn't know where it was going to stop somehow they knew it was going to go past this pass so they
0: yeah and then it's like it comes through one tunnel and then through another tunnel and like it's there's not a lot of time so anyway so they they infiltrate this train they they zip line in uh it's Captain America and Bucky and they're fighting some dude with this super laser type cannon that's yeah. attached yeah. to his body and, <laughs> and, so and they dude... knocked this that they this guy down like 6 times yes and he keeps getting back up. None of the other henchmen get back up, but this guy gets back up a bunch of times. He's okay. Always shooting
1: him. And let's talk about this guy. So he's a guard on this train. Mm-hmm. He's got two giant uh, Tesseract powered cannons on him, right? Everyone else right. just has like a rifle, which sort of makes sense. It looks like a standard issue rifle, but it's more mm-hmm. powerful. Sure. That's got to be way uncomfortable. So he's patrolling yeah. the stupid train, walking around yes. with this tank thing the whole time. Uh
0: huh. Yeah. Like what would they, pre- I mean, they weren't prepared for this. No, <laughs> but they, but they still lost. That's the they thing. Still lost. Yeah. So they, they, so Bucky falls to his death. RIP.
1: Yes. We're never going to see Bucky again, obviously. Never
0: going to see Bucky again. Obviously it's really a sad, 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 sad moment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, but they, but they get Arnim Zola uh, played by Toby Jones, as we mentioned. Um, and, but they lose Bucky. Uh, I love the scene between Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Toby, jo- Toby Jones uh, yeah. as they the interrogation scene, um, trying to get information out of uh, Arnim Zola about Red Skull. It's just two really good actors just playing a very simple scene, but they just do it perfectly. I don't yeah. know that you could sort of change anything about it. That would make it better.
1: Yeah. It's, it's really great. Uh, it's a scene that you, if you've seen this movie, you probably remember it really well. Tommy Lee mm-hmm. Jones eating a steak.
0: That's basically. Yeah. Which, which, you know, uh, and, and in, in acting, people that act don't really do eating scenes a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. There's a
0: few famous ones that happen, like Robert Downey Jr. eats a lot or, and, and Brad Pitt is always eating. It's like a meme. But um, most, uh, most actors don't like to eat because it, it's, it's disruptive. It doesn't, it doesn't help you. It's really hard to deliver lines if you've got food in your mouth. i can imagine so this is this this is a and it's seamless he doesn't like Tommy jones doesn't stutter he doesn't look uncomfortable he just kind of eats the steak and it's just like "Mm, this is good it looks like a good piece of meat too it sure did um yeah so they learned that uh uh, from zola that red skull is planning a full-scale invasion of america as well as other places uh with these tesseract powered weapons and ships they have these giant ass ships like, that are bigger than, like, a 747. They're just huge. And so the good guys plan an all-out assault on the last Hydra base. Thankfully, there's only one more that, they, mm-hmm. that was on that map that they didn't get to yet. Right. And uh, it's perfectly, it's in the Swiss Alps, like, 100 feet down.
1: Yeah, this is a Bond villain kind of
0: Perfect, perfect territory. Bond villain level. I mean, this is like, you know, Red Skull should have just been stroking a cat. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, so, uh, 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 they, they're able to overrun the Hydra base. So, so Steve, Steve kind of sacrifices himself. He kind of uses himself as a distraction. He gets into the base. I don't know why they needed to do that because they just, zip, they just zip lined again into, to where their, the Red Skull was at. And so <laughs>
1: um, howling commandos <laughs> loved a zipline. I think that's what we you know,
0: learned. It's it. I think they really do. I don't know where they started their zipline from.
1: Hmm. Like <laughs> that's where right, they, like... that mountain's like way up there.
0: <laughs> the mountains way up high, like finding a place, and like the way they came in, it's like the mountains way up high. But they like the the window that they broke in through was like facing the sky. Yeah. So they would have had to have like, I don't know, I don't know how they did the holes of by there.
1: Someday there'll be a second movie that's like uh, just about the Howling Commandos, and you'll see all the extra scenes,
0: <laughs> like yeah, where they're like they're building a giant uh, uh, tower just so they can figure out how to zip line into something
1: hey i'll watch that
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like okay we have 20 minutes to build this 200 foot tower can we do it
1: (laughs) cap needs us Um, Go.
0: (laughs) cap needs us (laughs) so they're able to overrun this hydro Mm -hmm. uh the red skull um is able to escape on a big ship with uh several sort of bombs that are uh labeled thankfully they're labeled like new york and Chicago and you know, different things like that. Uh, Steve is able to, with the help of Colonel Phillips and Peggy, uh, drive the uh Rolls Royce that's fast enough so he's able to get onto the plane right before it takes off.
1: Yep, the, the car that uh, Red Skull did not want a scratch on, a scratch <laughs> they, they, they screw yeah. it up to get
0: yeah, Tommy it's Lee right. Jones bleeped it up. Yeah, it's it's but, awesome. Uh, we do get a funny line uh, you know, Peggy and 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 uh, Steve do kiss. And then he kind of glances over. He glances over at uh, Colonel Phillips, and he's like, "I'm not gonna kiss you." (laughs)
1: Tommy Lee Jones, just a treat yet again. How did
0: he get in this movie?
1: (laughs) We'll talk about that more later. I
0: think that's the last. uh, That's the last scene for Tommy Lee Jones. I know it's it's
1: sad. He was so good.
0: Yeah. Um. So yeah, so we get our. uh, This is a pretty good scene. Uh, Steve has to like defeat a bunch of these little mini planes that fly out of the big plane that were like bombs set up to you know attack New York and Chicago and all these other Paris and all these different places Um, and gets back into the main ship. Uh, We get our fight with uh, Red Skull Um, surprisingly not as sort of um, you know punch you punch me kind of back and forth it's more Mm -hmm. it was quicker yeah um i think i think the quickness sort of helped the movie but maybe uh made the the threat of the red skull himself less kind of cool
1: yeah i i think it's okay in this case because i uh, the common problem with a lot of these marvel movies is like (laughs) It's two characters of the same powers. Now, in this case, yes. they, they do have the same powers. They're both pretty super, much yeah. super soldiers. Now, yeah. I do like though that they, they don't focus on the physical aspect of Red Skull. Like his threat is that he's making he's run this program right. to make all these weapons. And mm-hmm. you know, that's the type of threat he is. And so that's why the physical part doesn't matter as much. Steve is counteracting that with his physical prowess and his heroism. It would have been bad to have the end just be this like, oh, it's <laughs> if it had been like the iron monger versus iron man at the end of iron man one
0: yeah um no that's that's a that's an excellent point because um so you know the red skull he's defeated he tries to like pick up the tesseract yep. and it sort of it vaporizes him or maybe it sucks him into another dimension
1: maybe it sends him to another planet who, who knows maybe
0: maybe hmm. maybe um you know what maybe um yeah so uh steve has to uh crash land this this plane because it's apparently it's it's gonna crash into the united states somewhere yeah seaboard and it's a big plane and it's gonna kill a bunch of people so he takes the the plane down into the arctic now if you're gonna crash land into the arctic he had plenty of time to try and turn it don't you think
1: I think the idea, and I, I've watched this again, because this is a really it, good, it's it, really the, the drama of the scene is really good. Yeah. Um, I think it's that he doesn't know how, like he, he knows enough to bring it straight down. He's confident in doing that. And I think that's what you're supposed to read from this. Like right. maybe a better part, maybe this is Howard Stark. He could actually turn it around, be safe. Steve doesn't feel that confident in that. And he thinks it's more important to make sure that no one gets hurt. And I, This is like him landing on the grenade. Like if he had had his superpowers, the best thing to do would be throw the grenade up in the air so it doesn't hurt anyone, but he doesn't have time. So this is him landing on the grenade again.
0: Okay. I like that. Um, So yeah, so uh, he's talking with Peggy this entire time via the radio um, saying, you know, I can't make our date. Can we reschedule? Yes. They reschedule for like the, the following Thursday. And uh, right as he's talking, he, the, the radio cuts away, and, and that's the end. That's of, uh, it's the end of 1942, or whatever it is we get. Yeah.
1: And that's it. Steve Short. Rogers is dead, right? Like we Steve
0: Rogers is dead. Nothing else to see. Yeah.
1: Good well, um, standalone we've... movie. Oh, what? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Stark looks for him. Stark finds the Tesseract because um, he was able to track for the energy signature on that. Somehow, for reasons, yes, uh, and uh, so he finds the tesseract. So that's how the tesseract. Yeah, the tesseract has several different movies that it sort of follows, fl- flies through during the past. Yeah, uh, and we'll see those as we go along. Um, but yeah, so, but they don't find Captain America until when? 2011. Yeah, uh, when uh, we flash, we flash forward. We're in a hotel room hospital room something Not like clear. that yeah some room that clear it looks like 1945 there's a yep. there's a radio uh playing baseball mm-hmm. old-timey baseball like the brooklyn uh dodgers and new york giants something like that yeah and uh um captain america wakes up yep. and a nurse comes in it's like you know calm down everything's okay and he, he knows it's all fake because, you know, he's, he was at that game yeah. that, he's, that he's hearing. Now, if you were at the game, could you know you were at the game just by listening to it on the radio?
1: Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> there's something else going on. They never quite answered this question. Like, so he saw the map once and he totally remembered it. Yeah. I, I do think there's a little bit something to this, the serum where maybe it also enhanced his mind. Sure.
0: That's he is a smart theory. guy and he is a
1: smart guy like we've definitely now, got that. He,
0: he probably went to this game before he was you know swole right. but, but but good point
1: does it make your mind swole too does the super soldiers can do that
0: that's a good, good question um
1: oh i have another question about the super soldiers theorem
0: <laughs> okay later on ahead.
1: we're going to see it in the mcu again we're also going to see it uh, falcon and the winter soldier the television right. show no one else gets as swole as Steve Rogers. Like Steve Rogers goes from ninety-eight pounds to maybe what two twenty. Yeah. Uh, uh, those characters in the Falcon and Winter Soldier, like that woman, looks like a average-sized normal woman, normal-sized person. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Granted, I didn't see her before, so maybe she was also like sixty pounds or something like that, and became normal. Maybe. Size.
0: Maybe, but Bucky, it happens to Bucky, right? Like yeah. some version of the, of the of the soldier, super soldier for, uh, formula, and yeah. he doesn't get bigger than he is. No. In um, What If, Peggy does get bigger.
1: Oh, she gets huge. She is super yeah. suave.. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, so
1: maybe it's just the Erskine version.
0: Maybe. Hmm. Maybe. Because um, maybe the Red Skull was a little wimpy dude.
1: Oh, right. We, we never saw him. Time. I don't
0: know. Um, so yeah. So uh, he realizes that this uh, little room is all fake. He busts through the walls, which are made of paper mache. And he's in a shield facility, though he doesn't know that because he doesn't know what shield is. Yeah. Uh, he runs out, escapes, it's streets of New York, right? He's just running down. Uh, weirdly enough, shield had a, a Times Square office apparently. <laughs> it's, it's really expensive. Out. Yeah. I would think, you know, most most of Times Square is not, is mostly for tourists. I don't know that they would have a shield office there. Uh, and it felt like it was like a shield building too. It totally did. Yeah. So he's running around Times Square. Uh, disoriented obviously because it's like there's all these modern cars and neon lights and everything uh times square was very different in 1941 or 42 and uh a bunch of suvs open up and uh nick fury is there and tells him you know it's like you've been asleep for a while yeah
1: and he says i think i missed my date right
0: yeah which is very sweet now the other thing that really should have freaked him out was the fact that like um a black man was giving him orders <laughs> which n- would have not been the case in 1945 right, right. i mean so he was a, he was a, he was very uh cultured
1: i think he was cuz i think he and bucky cuz we see this later on uh-huh. with the falcon and the winter soldier like bucky doesn't yeah. quite talk about it but yeah. it's it's clear like even though he's from the 40s like why is bucky not super racist <laughs> but <Yeah>. he's not
0: <laughs> yeah well maybe maybe you know because he he got he he awakened maybe he's now woke
1: oh here we go <laughs> wow
0: sorry
1: this is about that more things that the super soldier formula <laughs> does
0: um uh let's uh let's do post credits before we talk about concerns sure. yeah so um we get our post credit scene classic uh post credit <laughs> scene um it's uh, Chris Evans is punching out uh, body bags, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's boxing, sparring. And uh, Nick Fury comes in and is like, you know, how you doing? Da 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 da. You know, Chris Evans is like, you want me to re enter the world? Because it looked like he was sad and kind of lonely. Yeah. Um, and, and then Nick Fury is like, no, I should save it. Dun, dun, dun. And, then, and then we get our actually, we just roll right in that to an actual theatrical trailer for for the Avengers, which came out a few months after this movie.
1: Yeah. And it's funny to watch this on Disney Plus now because that's still there. Because it was part it's of the still movie. there.
0: And it's uh it's it's a little weird because it's very different than a lot of the like the art of the post-credit scene really um it hits in the Avengers. Like mm-hmm. it's it's completely different from that point on. Like because it, it was always like introducing some evil at that point, right? Or some some plot point that would come up. It was never like just, hey, this is the next movie that comes out. <laughs> here's an ad. <laughs> yeah, here's this, an ad. <laughs> yeah, that, this one feels a little
1: weird. Now, at the time, totally works, because mm-hmm. here was the, I think this was the, the thing. At this yeah. point in time, MCU wasn't quite MCU, and there was a lot of questions about this movie going in, right? Because we yeah. didn't, if this movie doesn't work, I, I do remember at the time, they like, really? They're going to have this big movie? Like, how do they even yeah. know people are going to want to see it?
0: Well, and here's the thing, because this comes off the the heels of, we had Thor, which made money, but it was a really bad movie. Yeah. Iron Man 2. I know. (laughs) Which is really bad. The Hulk was in there. Mm Mm-hmm. Incredible Hulk. They were all really kind of crappy. This one really saved, Not, I mean, the Avengers were coming out in a few months and was a huge, was the, you know, broke all kinds of box office records and everything. But this kind of, I think, critically saved the mcu in a lot i of think ways.
1: it does yeah if this movie doesn't work you're not jazzed to see the avengers but people not were the same way definitely really jazzed Jazz. to see
0: it.
1: yeah because yeah. now you've got two hit really solid movies. you had the iron man movie the first one and then you had this one and yeah. so you, those two pillars set it up
0: yeah yeah and those two pillars become the two pillars of the mcu and that's and that's a and that's pretty clear given how Endgame ends right yeah. Um. You could argue about Thor, but he was always kind of clearly a third, t like just below those two. Yeah. In terms of like you know you've got the brains of the MCU and you've got the heart of the MCU in there, and I think you know
1: see the hair. Thor of the MCU. Kind of the,
0: yeah, he's the hair, maybe the beer gut of yeah. the MCU. Um. Just, just, just a notch below them. Not to take yeah. anything away from Thor. They, they made Thor an interesting character, which I never thought they could have. Right. Um, But, uh, you know, these two become the bellwethers. Yeah. So we've got lots more thoughts. Oh yeah. Yeah, so we got our full-fledged ad for The Avengers, which comes up next uh, in in order of things. Um, Yeah, so what do we, like, let's get into our sort of overall final thoughts on this film. Yeah,
1: so, I think I remember the time of casting, mm-hmm. people were a little, uh, dare I say, skeptical of Chris Evans.
0: Yeah, he had been like, so he had been in a lots of little things and he had been in the two Fantastic Four movies as Johnny Blaze. Yes. Johnny Storm, I'm sorry. No, Johnny Storm. <laughs> Johnny Blaze, different, uh, different uh, uh, comic book character. Um, <clears throat> but uh, first of all, Johnny Blaze is a terrible name for a Ghost ghostwriter, right? Mm-hmm. We, can agree. we can agree i mean blaze, way to go right on the nose <laughs> i know it's like oh my gosh his head's on fire let's call him johnny blaze yeah. um but uh he had been those were, those were terrible movies yeah yeah and, they were and he was fine in them yeah but there wasn't anything in those in in that uh in those performances that you would say oh he can be this leader this uh this this tentpole of, of something that they're creating at the end, right
1: of and, and you know marvel didn't know at the time how big this was going to get but they did have plans to have multiple movies he was obviously yeah. signed a contract to at least do three plus the avengers mm-hmm. movies so you need to have someone that can pull with five yeah. movies worth of content
0: yeah and and prior like all of his roles he had either been like he was just kind of a kind of a, a douche right yeah okay let's let's go over a few so he was in uh
1: not another teen movie
0: yes which was like which was a little bit like the scary movie movies it was like a or like airplane like just a satire spoof of a particular type of movie
1: right he's in scott pilgrim versus the world as one of the ex-boyfriends so did that come before
0: captain america or after
1: i don't know the release time it's almost around the same time they would have been filming it around the yeah. same time though. So yeah, presumably people would have seen the footage. Now that's a good movie, but he plays
0: kind of a, just a, a dick or, or a douche, right? Yeah.
1: He, he plays the, the role really well It's super yeah. funny. Yeah. But you don't see any range for sure. No, no, certainly not. At this point not. in time,
0: yeah. Yeah. And then he was in the two Fantastic Four movies. That's probably his biggest role. Oh, by, by far, up yeah. to this point. Yeah. Uh, and then this, he's, he's, a, uh, he's a genuine leading man. Just a, he, he commands the screen. He is beautiful. Let's let's yeah. face it. Um, I think I think it's pretty clear he's the best of the Chris's. But we can have a discussion about that. Yeah. Of all the Chris's, you know, when you when you factor in Pratt, Hemsworth, Pine, Pine. Yeah. you know, whoever you want to add there, I I go Evans number one.
1: I so from this movie on, I'm all in on Chris yeah. Evans. right. Like when you see him, I think this is why we talked about how you see him as the scrawny Steve Rogers for so long. Mm-hmm. You see it for roughly a quarter of the movie. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no,
0: this is a slow burn before you get Captain America.
1: Right. And it, it really just shows that the the character is not just the powers. It's not right. just him able to do these superheroic things. It's about his character, what he's about and mm-hmm. it's all him at that point.
0: No. Like, yeah. And I think the one thing that's it's subtle, and it, but it's really hard. He doesn't have like the standout jokes he doesn't make fun of himself i mean he doesn't really even do any sort of, everything that he does is sincere yep. it's uh it's completely there's it's devoid of sarcasm yes <laughs> you know he doesn't have the little quips you know the closest thing he gets is like a little bit of a i'm trying you know that kind of thing yeah. like where it's just like people are asking so much of him and he just kind of rolls his eyes and it's just like i'm doing it i'm doing my best right um <clears throat> And yeah, even it, even Thor gets to be funny.
1: Yeah, right? later on, by the third Thor movie, he's just a, a comedic character.
0: Yeah, right? he's a comedic character. We never get that with with Captain America. He's always sincere, and that's really hard to do. It, it really uh, to is sort of, yeah. to continue that, and keep that character pure, and to keep that character feeling like this is this is who this person is. He's not beaten down by his failures. He's not um, overwhelmed. Like he's not feeling too high off of his successes. Um, this is somebody, this is, this is really hard to do uh, and Chris Evans does it.
1: Yeah, and the only time that you find humor from Captain America is maybe in the, in the Avengers movie when he goes, understood that reference. Everyone sort of recognizes that. It's, it's again, only riffing off the fact that yeah. he is who he is. He doesn't know yeah. what's going or on. Or when
0: somebody is making fun of him, like in Age of Ultron where you know, there's the whole, oh, you said a bad word. Language. yeah. Of, yeah. Uh, so so, people make fun of him there. I think yeah. um,
1: him recognizing his own
0: squareness is the yeah. only other time you get humor, yeah. from, which is great. Like, yeah. And I don't know about you, but he's my favorite character that was created during the MCU.
1: I, I think so. So far, yeah, he's yeah. he's got it. He's the strongest one, I think. Yeah. Although um, the, you know, Iron Man's a very strong character too. Iron Man's
0: certainly strong, strong too. I just I feel like they had a little bit. I mean, both of these were were B level characters, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know from the comics going into the, the, the film universe but I feel like Iron Man had a little bit more to work with because yeah. you're always going to have the cool you know suit and the technology on it and you're always going to have that this is just all one guy and while right. he's certainly super, super soldier and athleticism and all that stuff um, you know this is Chris Evans.
1: And the other remarkable thing is, you could see how a modern Iron Man can work because typical the way the superhero formula had been successful was like the the Dark Knight trilogy. So like these dark superheroes, it's this sort of modern take on things where yeah. they're dark and edgy, you know, if we really ex- extrapolate the 90s hero. Uh, when we get to Captain America, this is the first time we return back to this character is cool because it sticks to principles the whole way through, which is Mm -hmm. quite a turn. I could imagine a lot of executives saying like, this this can't work. Let's make him a dark, edgy, you know, secret empire. I'm I'm glad they didn't
0: have a gritty reboot of
1: Captain America. Right. Which wouldn't have worked, but on the flip side, they might never have selected him as a character to be uh, in the Mm -hmm. initial lineup for the Avengers. Because I could, again, imagine someone saying, how how can this work in the modern era?
0: Yeah. And that being said, I mean, he does have a a bit of, I mean, Gritty is maybe the wrong word, but I mean, he is born out of war. Yep. And he is born out of that experience. And I think just his experience, his coming into the MCU, where, how he did and when he did, you know, we talked about this early to, uh, you know, bringing up, uh, this is the, the 20th anniversary of, of 9-11. Um, just a very different idea of what patriotism is very different idea of what wrapping yourself in the flag is his uniform is literally the American flag Mm -hmm. uh and just what that means uh you know to a 1940s community that he's you know it's certainly not a 1940s audience because it's a 21st century audience but seeing it through that lens of what people sort of looked at him as versus the world he wakes up in and you know the world that uh that is ultimately seeing this movie um they don't treat him as if he is a novelty mm-hmm. uh he is not a symbol he is a soldier and um and he's born out of that experience it's yeah. it's it's really interesting
1: yeah i think that's we'll get to it later but that that is why they had to make the second movie the winter soldier yeah around the themes that it does have uh this this movie though, his performance here, this is establishing, this is where your character starts. These are the mm-hmm. pillars. These are his principles, you know, it flat out. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah. Great, great job, Chris Evans. <laughs> great job, Chris Evans. Um, and much of the characterization, you know, doesn't come from the 70 years of history in from Captain America in the comics. It comes really from like post 2000. It would be largely post nine 11. Yeah. Um, the way that, um, he is very much a man out of time, you know, he doesn't have like the, 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 uh, the specter of Nazism and Hydra and, uh, fascism is not there in the same way that it was when he was younger and sort of flowing through kind of just kind of naturally picked up, you know, from, from World War II into the Cold War, uh, you know, the, the sort of, the ideals that he stood for don't necessarily sort of fit against, like there, there's no, there's no enemy for him to fight. It's not a mm-hmm. nation, it's not an idealism, uh, ideology, I'm sorry, uh, that he needs to uh to sort of battle against. It's it's something different. And we see in these movies in particular, the three movies that Captain America is is largely is in and he's in into MCU, the standalones for him. It's it's his, his own government, really, his own. Uh-huh um the good guys are who he's kind of fighting against yeah you know he has to he has to break the rules in this film to become a soldier yeah right he was he was going to be sidelined for the, for the war their, their greatest weapon they were going to be like you know what this is a failure of an experiment we don't. we don't think it's going to work so we're going to you know shell them and he had to break rules and fight to just to get onto the battlefield totally at every level and i think you mentioned The Winter Soldier, and we're going to get to that much, 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 much later, because that's a terrific movie. Um, he fights his own government. He, fight, he fights it from within. And same thing in Civil War. He right. fights it from within.
1: Well, then that's why we have that full character arc, right? Mm-hmm. Starting here, he pushes back against his superiors to, to get out there and fight. Mm-hmm. He fights his government. He fights his friends. Like that's, yeah. that's the three-movie arc. Uh, it's pretty... Mm-hmm. I don't think we have another three movie arc like this in the MCU. Like the Thor movies definitely don't work.
0: No. Iron, no, Man, movies, no. Iron Man movies, the second one is terrible. We'll yeah. see what happens with Spider-Man. Right. Um, hopeful for that because the first one's great. Second one's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel only had one. Right. Uh, Guardians possible, but it's, uh, that's a more of an ensemble to begin with. Yeah, um, really well, kind of yeah. hard to see like a single character arc, particularly you know because we did uh, Guardians two, and you know the the ultimate hero of that one sort of sort of weakens as the as the trilogy has has kind of gone along. We'll see where it picks up with the third one in two years or whenever that is.
1: I got um, yeah, I'm gonna have to say for Guardians for any of these other ones that have had a sequel. While these sequels have been good so far, it doesn't seem to have an overarching. Character arc. So you could already have seen that in the first two Captain America movies. There was right. already those seeds planted. Mm-hmm. The strong, his his principles are there in the first movie. The second movie, his world's turned upside down. He has to find a way to reconcile his principles against what mm-hmm. what he sees in that world,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Because he he was all for the government. Sure. In this movie.
0: Yeah, and you know, for, from a trilogy standpoint, and that's this is uh, this is kind of a, even a larger question, you know. The, the gold standard for, for superhero trilogies has gotta be Christopher Nolan, right? In the, in the yep. And the Dark Knight trilogy. Uh, I think these three are better.
1: I think they are better. Cause uh, I th- well, number one, let, let's, I think we could probably agree that third Batman movie doesn't, doesn't stick the landing.
0: No, not, not in the way that, I mean, the, the standard was set so high, first of all, right. because of the first two films. The third film's not bad. It's right. just not at that level of the first two. And I think you could, argue, you could argue that these three got better as it went along.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think it's that much of an argument. Like you, The yeah. three Captain America movies, they, they escalate. And I think uh-huh. importantly, there is an arc. There's a character arc from the first to the third. Uh-huh. Batman, I have a much harder time seeing what that, what's, what are they saying about Batman from the first one to the third yeah. one? Like the third, the third one, he can retire. Like I do
0: think, I do think you know that was the the interruption there, and 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 I think you can see that in in the MCU with what they're going to do with Black Panther now. But the, mm-hmm. the interruption with the with with that, I think, was just the death of Heath Ledger. I do think he was going to be part of that that universe going forward. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think that that sort of changed their calculus on what they were going to do with that third film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you know. Uh, the MCU obviously has to deal with that now, with uh, with uh, the, the tragic death of Chadwick Boseman, uh, with Black Panther, because Black Panther, because that had an opportunity to do what this trilogy has done right. with with the sing- singular character going forward. Um, it's a shame for 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 the Black Panther and Black Panther fans, of uh, which I consider myself one. Uh, oh, yeah. But this but this film, just I mean, this film starts it, and the, then the trilogy, and we're going to talk much more about this, uh, I'm sure later. Uh, because I think we both love this character uh and this character arc, but uh just terrific. Yeah. So
1: more on this. We the director of this movie, uh, I remember when this was picked, uh Joe Johnson, he's directed a couple other movies which were like minor hits, but I think most notably he had directed The Rocketeer. Uh-huh. This and it's also point, a
0: period piece.
1: A period piece, uh same period, mm-hmm. <laughs> fighting Nazis. Mm-hmm. at that point in time i think i knew that that was a really good choice i really love that movie mm-hmm. it's a superhero movie before there were really superhero movies
0: yeah right no, and, was... and that's a and i think they're rebooting now they,
1: they totally about. are which i'm all in on because i yeah. really like that that movie
0: mm-hmm. i'm surprised they never made sequels out of, off of it uh,
1: i think it wasn't as big it was a hit but not mm-hmm. like a, a monster hit sure and it was only for people that were like into comic books at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this is great. We're, we're taking any scraps we can that are comic book-esque in the movie and theater. It's,
0: and it's, so a lot of the, so far in the MCU, when something has been successful, um, you know, Feige et al. have sort of stuck with the director. So, for example, um, uh, you know, Joss Whedon got two Avengers movies. Uh, Ryan Coogler is getting that second uh, black panther movie um uh who else am i thinking of um but in here you know joe johnson this is a standalone for him uh the russo brothers get uh the next two and then Mm -hmm. they get a couple of avengers movies uh kind of the right decision even though johnston made a really good film here.
1: yeah I, i think this was clearly a pairing of like the right director for the right movie and uh you know maybe this sucks for the directors but This is good executive storytelling. (laughs) Before I talked about how like executives could have ruined a lot of this storytelling here. This, in this case, they did the right thing. They're like, no, we're going to, you're good for this one. Yeah. That was awesome. Thank you so much, Joe Johnson. Mm -hmm.
0: You know, without you, we don't have have this. Yeah. And I think they probably looked at the Rocketeer and was like, okay, that's the mood and the sort of the idealism that we need in this film. Mm -hmm. But once we get into the 21st century, we can't have that. Right? Yeah, we can't we can't be you know gung ho. It's got to be, what's going on here?
1: Yeah, different modern story storytelling, mm-hmm. a little bit more cynicism, which is throughout.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was the right call. Because mm-hmm. I mean, the, Rus- the Russo brothers sort of they, they haven't kinda, made a bad movie. They they kind of hit it out of the park. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, but uh, but but back to Johnston. I mean, you. Uh, it does feel it feels like you know lots of the films have done um period pieces so mm-hmm. you know and certainly period scenes like captain marvel's in the 90s and that and that feels very 90s this one feels very 1940s even though you know you and i have we're not born yet. yeah you
1: know? yeah so some of the shooting techniques were done really in that car scene between peggy and steve
0: mm-hmm. if you
1: look at that that's, that's what they call like the soft lighting they would Sometimes I think they would actually just put Vaseline on the lens there to sort of blur things out back in the forties mm-hmm. because you wanted yeah. to, to have your heroines look a little softer. You didn't want the sharper features. Right. That's totally shot this way.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and and just everything from the set. I think a lot of it was probably just build building sets. that weren't like on location for a lot of these things. Like in the in 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 Winter Soldier and in um, in future films, there's a lot of the of Captain America films there's a lot of sort of on location sets so like uh-huh. you know they were at a at an airport in Civil War you know there's lots of sort of in DC sort of uh scenes along the along the streets uh of, of DC that feel very Washington if you've ever you know been uh-huh. to the nation's capital you can see like the style of those streets and traffic and everything just feels like that is there these are sort of um sort of a little bit more fictionalized even though world war ii really happened so i don't know that there's actually a camp lejeune in new jersey no. but there certainly is a, a, a european front there is mm-hmm. uh <laughs> you know but they but they but they're able to sort of uh, fit in this sort of fictional thing into it into uh a real life situation
1: yeah they do such a good job with the location and there's almost like this color palette mm-hmm that's going on you'll you'll really see the difference with this film versus the other ones where we talk about a lot of people talk about the the marvel look they're, they're all shot on similar cameras they, they do this for a unifying reason and they they keep the color tones the same this one does break it's a this gray green look for most it's of it big. yeah and uh, it really what really makes it pop is for some reason when you see peggy in that bar for whatever reason they have a bar like right after mm-hmm. they meet you meet all of the uh, the howling commandos drinking She's wearing this stunning red dress, right? And that really right. pops. Yeah. I don't know why she's wearing a dress. Like they're on the front. She has
0: no <laughs> place to go. They're going, she went to a bar. Women yeah. in the 40s, she dress up to go to a bar.
1: She goes into um, the bar to go flirt with Steve and then ooh. leaves. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Power mm-hmm. move by Peggy. I, I do
0: think too, like her her makeup throughout this whole film, like she's always wearing not just that red dress, but like the stark red lipstick. Yeah is such a contrast, you're, you're absolutely right, to sort of all the other colors that are around her. So even, even um, you know, and we'll get to this and it might be a criticism is like, there's not really very many females in this film.
1: Yeah, actually, let's talk general. about that
0: now. Sure. <laughs> so so, so you you there's Peggy. not very many fi- females in this film. Yeah. Uh, Peggy Carter obviously is the second lead uh, yep. for all intents and purposes. And, um, uh, but it, it fails mightily the Bechtel test, which we've talked about before, yeah, where you know two females having a conversation in a movie about something that's not like not about another male right. off screen. So so, so there's Peggy, there's, yeah.
1: <laughs> Natalie Dormer's in this.
0: <laughs> yeah, a, a, a former queen of uh, the seven realms, the nine yeah. realms.
1: <laughs> um, so and and she's in it to to just kiss Stephen. So this is this is totally failing the Bechdel test, like yeah. just to make Peggy jealous, basically.
0: Yeah, and then there's a a woman at the end who's a uh, a shield agent, right? Who's you know doesn't have any interaction other than with Steve Rogers. Yep. Um, I don't even think we get a cursory sort of Maria Hill getting out of the out of the SUV at the end.
1: No, so it's no. just Nick Fury. <laughs> yeah, there's the woman that when he's on his USO tour. That- uh huh. Yes, there, there, are co-
0: there are... Wait, wait, wait. There are chorus girls. <laughs> yes, yeah, all the chorus girls. <laughs> <laughs> Who like to dance in, in, in scantily clad outfits. The woman that Howard Stark
1: kisses when he's on stage to demo the, that's the, the flying car, which gravidic, would now be sexual assault. assault.
0: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Gravitic reversion technology. Right. <laughs> which now I, be I, sexual assault. It totally that's, would uh, be. <laughs> that's, uh, that's probably true and sad yeah. at yes. the same time.
1: Uh, but yeah, I felt like uh error appropriate for what yeah. would have gone on. No,
0: and in fairness, I mean, how in World War II, how many women would have been in forward areas and frontline situations? Right. Like there were women that that participated in the war and there should have been uh, the flower shop lady, actually. Yep. So, oh yeah, that's right. So so it did have that conversation because Peggy <laughs> gave the code <laughs> Right, it's to your response. the to the to the to the uh secret lab that they had created so so yes passes the bechdel test for just that barely one. just barely oh god god we yeah. had to search for that one uh yeah
1: <laughs> so, but that all being said peggy within the mcu is a great character yes and she has we, a full series
0: <laughs> yes she has a full series which is very good yeah um if you guys uh, out there if you want to watch it it's are short seasons i think there may be eight or ten episodes a piece yeah two seasons um really good uh we see so it's uh it's basically kind of a buddy cop kind of setup and she's kind of uh working within shield before shield's a thing yep and uh her her buddy in that is uh Jarvis yep so it's uh the actual the actual butler that's Jarvis uh Howard Stark's butler uh, who would eventually help to raise Tony and uh become the the name inspiration for the uh AI uh, Tony creates
1: yeah and um, the, this the series kind of hits the sexism of the time like right on the
0: head yes and that's also a very similar like you talked about the color color tones very similar color tones because everybody's wearing these drab gray suits and hats and yeah uh like navy and stuff like that and then peggy is always immaculately dressed in some sort of red pant suit with <laughs> the, the red and blue the, she's got yeah, yeah she's mm-hmm. like
1: carmen san diego kind of yes <laughs> colors
0: i think that's very much inspired inspired by uh carmen san (laughs) diego
1: but i I think this is just another case though like the mcu has this ability to sort of correct the flaws of of, of the past of like oh we needed to make peggy bigger or we're going to expand her role. yeah
0: yeah so i mean i mean peggy just thinking about like where she's you know come up um she's in all three uh captain america movies even though Mm -hmm. in the third one she's a corpse yes (laughs) she's in age of ultron yes uh she's uh very briefly um in you know winter Soldier. she's in a, in a hospital bed or a hospice bed
1: right um she's an ant-man
0: she is an ant-man in the opening scene um she's in you know her own tv show she was in the agents of shield tv show mm-hmm. she's now she's now in what if mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and that's been confirmed that she's coming back for a second season for that particular oh um character so i think I think they're going to run with, uh, you know, Captain Carter as like a super soldier uh, yeah. running around the 1940s and 50s.
1: And people really like that episode. Like that's, that's I really like that the first one. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So very popular character in the MCU. Well, oh, and then obviously she's in Endgame.
0: Right, right. As she closes Endgame. Yep. She she and Steve closed that movie. So.
1: Um, so two yeah. important characters introduced within this movie, mm-hmm. that have a you know major parts throughout
0: yeah so um this is i think i think maybe you agree with me on this the the first marvel score to really be great Mm -hmm. um and i think you know marvel is now known for its scores like i think ant-man is i think ant-man's one of the best uh obviously the avengers is terrific score that you know kind of um they adapt and sort of uh uh, work with uh throughout the, the all the avengers movies um but you know, the Thor scores weren't very good. Um, Captain America had good music in it. I mean, I'm sorry, Iron Man had good music in it, Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure it had a really great score.
1: Yeah, I don't Uh, think anyone could hum to you the Iron Man theme. No. Uh,
0: Guardians is both. Yes. Um, Guardians has both a good score and good music. Um, And this one, I think, has both. I, I like the little made up songs that they have, like Who's the man? The, the man with yeah. the plan is pretty good, actually. Star Spangled Man the is Star Spangled Man yeah. with the plan. It's
1: yeah, it, it can stand on its own. <laughs> like, uh-huh.
0: yeah, I, I I will find myself humming that one. Yeah, that's really good, and I think the oh,
1: now we're going to TV shows, but like the, the Loki
0: score is excellent. Right? The Loki score is really good too, um, and then wandavision has some just creative, amazing mm-hmm. stuff going with it right. from a score standpoint. Um, and, and music and everything yep. that, that that show did um but yeah anything else that we want to hit we, we might
1: have <laughs> I mean what an hour and a half wasn't enough i, I think uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah i this is a really good movie I, it's really easy to watch you could watch just certain scenes or uh, just watch i feel like them. you
0: can pick it up at any time yeah and and then put it down if you need to
1: Yeah, if if cable were still a thing, this is a if it's on TBS, I I could just yes, this would be a classic.
0: You know, get home at nine o'clock and just put on TNT, and then it's all of a sudden on, and you're like, oh okay, I can watch. I can watch forty minutes of this. Yeah, you know, before a a basketball game comes on or something like that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, really solid. Uh, Uh Really, I know that Iron Man is the movie that launches the MCU, but I actually think this is the movie that without this. It doesn't work longer. No, it
0: needed Iron Man needed that sort of hero that's a foil, right? Like we see the conflict between he and 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 Steve throughout the MCU. Yeah, that that they trust one another, but they also, um, they are, for lack of a better term, in conflict. You know, it sort of comes to a head in in Civil War, uh, which makes their sort of reunion. Uh, you know, during Endgame, all the more important, and the fact that they have this extended um, adventure slash mission in in Endgame, I think is emotionally important,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, just given the history of the two characters. Yeah,
1: this is really good. Uh, obviously, you've seen it if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> uh-huh. but but uh, I think it's worth revisiting if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it in a while.
0: Yeah, no, this one's definitely. I think, and I think it's also a, a, a situation where the movie becomes better than it started mm-hmm. because of the, because of the evolution of the character later on, because yeah. you get to see those, those, those uh, kernels of, 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 the character in this. Uh, and then once you get to the end, it's, it's, it's a full story. Um, yeah. All right. I think that's it. That's it.
1: Well, thank you, Shane. Thank you, Michael.